Welcome to this week's edition of the Bros Show Live. This is episode 32. I'm Skillbo, and I'm back again with the gang. How's it going, everybody? What's up out there? It's going well. Tara's already found the chat. That's something we were having trouble doing. Uh, we're finding it all. Uh, what's up, Groskies? What's up, panel? Spartan popped in right here before we started. Spartan, welcome in from the other show. What's up? How's Let's going go around, around the horn real quick and introduce everyone. Red Setter, if you can go first. I'll go first. What's happening, everybody? I'm Red Setter Farm. I'm hanging out with some flow, dry sift, and some rosemary. Ready to jump into action on this wonderful Sunday night. What's going on, Groskies? Thank you, Red. Uh, yeah. Canna Kate, what's up? Oh, hi. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Canna Kate. I'm excited to be here tonight. I had fun last night at the Dab House with Miss C and Abolished and Sequence. Um, yeah, that's it. All right, thanks. You can find Canna Kate at the Canna Kate on Instagram. Eagle Gardens, what's up, dude? How you guys doing? Eagle Gardens one on Instagram. Looking forward to uh, catching up on the week's events with you guys. Uh, hanging out with you, Gromies. Amen. Abolished Farms and Miss C. You're muted somehow. All right, Spartan, you can go real quick while he works on it. Hey, it's, I, have, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I was. I'm too high from the last show. Um, <laughs> Say, hi, I'm Spartan Grown, and I Spartan like Grown. the Spartans. <laughs> and I like the Spartans. And you can find me on Instagram at Spartan Grown. But no, I had a, I had a good time hanging out with Carlos over, uh, from 2020 Mendocino out there in uh, Clio yesterday. I did my turn in for the Fino Hunt Challenge, so that was cool. I hung out with... Uh, Oh man, I wish I had my phone sitting around here. Uh, night something grow. I met a new. I met a new Groski out there. He was cool. As, cool as shit. Another one grown in the uh, Fino Hunt Challenge. I, I followed him on Instagram, but I'm too high to remember his name right now. Sorry. Cool, cool. Before you talk about your entries for the Fino Hunt Challenge, since Skillbo and I already have ours to judge, you can't tell us how many samples you gave because we know yes. how many got, and uh, yes. it's a really limited number, and I don't want to know how many samples you put in there. Okay, yeah, yes. I won't, okay, I won't say anything about that. Um, but yeah, we're really excited. All of the flower samples smell awesome and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. Carlos stopped by my house, dropped off some biscotti that came from their, their greenhouse. So that was yeah, pretty I, cool. I smoked some of that. That's some pretty good stuff. It was uh, spicy, kind of a spicier weed. Like, Yeah, weird, right? Yeah, I was, I was really... Uh happy to try it or excited to try it because we have eight of them at work but they're just you know small plants right now and we're gonna try them out because we've heard good things so um, not a, sorry for not slamming a... my cup on the desk guys <laughs> now i know what to expect so that's cool yeah carlos was... has definitely put the miles in this week man i mean he's been all over the place i've also seen him today and i seen him in detroit so we we go from cloud to detroit to parts further west well, I'll tell I you know what, he met T Dog today and dropped off the samples to him too, as well, wherever he was. The followings there. I saw some slaps downtown uh, Ypsilanti today when I was down walking around. Saw some 2020 Mendocino slaps slapping around. Heck yeah.
Oh, so Narwhal is asking how many 14 gram samples can they submit for the grow off? And I don't know if that's something that we actually um, have talked about. First of all, remember that we don't have any time between the turn in and the judging. So we're going to be sitting there in one day, well, in probably several hours, smoking every one of these strains. So do we really want to accept more than one? Yeah, that's true. So we're going from, uh, <laughs> that's why we're allowing um, turn ins before the opening of the event. So it's something we actually have to talk about. Um, we have rental of the facility from like 7 until 11 p.m. But we're going to accept flower turn-ins from like 5 p.m. until um, the end of the day so that hopefully we have some more time for the judges to get to uh, sample all the product and give a little bit more of a fair shake to everybody that way. Yeah, I guess if you run all six Finos and you got four really, really good fire keepers, you got to pick one of them. Try your best. And I can't stress enough, make sure you keep a clone of that and bring bring it plan for more than you need bring two or three clones <laughs> of uh, of your keeper because it will be worth it believe me if you're the winner to have a clone all right so we did want to talk about the uh strategy that we have for the grow off uh going forward um, everyone is popping their seeds right now. So we wanted to talk about methods that people are using to do that. How are you guys popping your seeds? What kind of success have you had? Um, do you have your seeds yet? Et cetera, et cetera. Seed strategies. I guess I'll go first just because I haven't popped my seeds yet. Uh, I got lucky. I got pack lucky number nine for me. And I'm just waiting on getting in a few more fems that I went and uh, got throughout this season on the archive line. So I'm going to actually do a fem pheno hunt. Uh, so I got a couple more plants to pop in there, but I think I'm going to try to get a new, a new light or maybe try to get some new light bulbs or something to, to veg and pop some seeds under I'm redoing my bedroom out there. So it might be a couple more weeks before I actually get these popped, but I like the good old fashioned paper towel method. Um, it was the Petri dish mesh method that I learned in seventh grade science class that we use paper towel in a Petri dish. And I've just been rolling with that method my entire life. We didn't use cannabis beans back then. It were, they were beans, but yeah. All right. I go even simpler. I don't even screw around anymore. I just get root riot cubes just like I would a clone. And uh, I put the seed in the hole and that's what I do. I've got Dude, I thought you had such a better story. I thought you were going to say, I rough up the outside of the seed with my beard, and then I spit on them and throw it on the ground and stomp on it with a oh, Spartan crock. The thing is, is I don't help them. You see what I mean? They better be strong from the get-go. I'm not going to give them a helping hand and, and fucking baby them their whole goddamn life to get them to the end. They better fucking be strong from the get-go. It's survival of the fittest in the Spartan garden. So that's, that's how I throw down. If you don't bring the fire, you get the kickins. But right now I've got four, four popped and two haven't popped yet. So that's where I'm sitting. I put all six in the cubes. I also use paper towel. I have mine soaking in paper towel right now, but I, so I put them in paper towel and then put it in a plastic bag and then take that plastic bag and like pin it to a cork board. So then they all sprout in the same direction. 
but I also have four of my six popped right now. Um, I've tried root right cubes before, but I had like less success doing that than any other method I've ever tried. So I don't know if that was like those particular seeds or I just fucking in general hate root right cubes. So it's probably like my hatred of them making seeds not pop in them. I've also tried just putting them in dirt before, but like I'm too, what's the word, impatient maybe to like not know what's going on with them. I like to be able to like open them up and peek at them and harass them a little bit. But I agree with Spartan that if they're not strong enough to like do their thing, then just fucking kill them or let them die on their own. That's part of the reason why we have fems is so like you have six seeds, throw them all in dirt. And if three of them pop up looking like crap, kill them. And then you get three good ones, run with those ones and see what happens. Well, when you buy a pack of seeds, you're not trying to buy a pack of five keepers. You're trying to buy a pack and find the keeper. So you're going to do a process of elimination anyway. When you make your selection, I mean, I'm sometimes you have to just look at those other plants as backups in case there's some kind of catastrophic issue that props up that doesn't affect your whole garden. Like, let's say that your clumsy ass knocks the cup over and it hits the ground and snaps the stem. Well, hey, at least you got a backup. With my trop cookies, I had one seed that it popped, but it came out of the ground kind of crooked and the stem was laying on the soil and it kind of got a little bit of stem rot because it was laying on the soil in a weird way. I'm just like, all right, I guess I'm gonna kill that one. <laughs> wasn't meant to be. So uh, the other six of them are trucking along or whatever and um, that's how it's gonna go. Yeah, my propagation room right now is so <clears throat> dry. You know, I'm, I've, I've still, I'm always having a hard time in the winter trying to keep my RH up because I, I exhaust all my air and you know it's just uh it's just small little room there's not a lot of amperage i'm dealing with and i'm actually trying to move everything to another location so trying to invest into this room ah whatever so the environmentals where i'm at right now do you guys happen to ever have an issue popping beans in the winter time in low humidity because that's kind of one of the things i'm trying to avoid is popping beans at this location i want to actually get them out um in the yeah, right that's environment actually something that i wanted to up. talk about red was like the humidity temperature like what do you think affects popping your your seeds i i you know personally i want to be in that same kind of environment that i'm vegging in with a higher rh higher man you know 68 75 somewhere in that range of a uh, temperature like i just had some seeds pop and it's been like 40 degrees and sunny out here in lower michigan and i had some uh sprouts starting to pop up in the no-till beds granted the no-till beds are active and it's probably a little bit warmer down in there in the compost but <clears throat> they're sprouting in, in low air temperature so i mean i i'd like that 65 68 70 75 max you know i don't like going above that because then the pathogens you can see the pathogens starting to get to the roots and starting to mess it you know you get the root slime after 75 tennessee Yeah, environmentals are real important, especially with the babies. That too humid, you know, you get the like you said the the stem wilt, the um, dampening off. Yeah, like dampening off of the stem. But now, I, I could just use a um, a humidity dome also, right? So that would that's what I have always done in the past is I've always just put a humidity dome over it and I've tried to keep the environment in there. But then you risk 
killing your plants or stressing your plants when you're removing your humidity dome. Eventually, they're going to get too big for it. So you want to try to make sure you're hardening them off. Just got a spray bottle handy. I try to constantly mist them and stuff uh, while I'm trying to harden them off and get them used to. Like when I'm saying a low RH, I'm like sub 40% humidity most times. You know, if I'm not constantly making sure that my humidifier is on, it's sub 40%. So that's a really low RH when you're trying to run clones, seedlings, uh, mother plant, anything really. You just don't want to grow. That's the same problem I'm running into in the wintertime is like 35% humidity. It's like, okay, what do you do with that? And uh, like you said, if you're not running a humidifier, you have to use a dome or or like a automated, like an auto cloner or something. Those guys don't use domes, but. Um, I, I don't have a dome on my auto cloner, that's for sure. But it, again, it's sometimes hitting, I, I mean, it's all, it'll always hit, but it won't always hit on that, like, you know, five to seven days where I'm seeing little roots and stuff. Spartan looks like he wants to talk. He's leaning forward right into his microphone. Spartan, what's up? I'm just holding myself up from falling down. But uh, as far as I, I, I'm, <laughs> I hate to, I hate to be different than everybody, I guess, but uh, no, I don't hate it. I'm not, that'd be a lie, but I just, I feel like seeds, if you can get them, like, I like to get them, I put them in a root riot cube that I've soaked just like I would for a, a clone, you know, just let it soak in water. You pull it out, you squeeze the excess moisture out and you put it in the little tray in your clone dome. I do that. And then I put my seeds in there. The humidity from those cubes is enough, I, I think, to, to keep the humidity, you know, higher in that dome. But as soon as that, as soon as it sprouts, as soon as I see the, you know, the, the you know, the piece of seed coming up or whatever, as soon as I see any sign coming up and I see that it's sprouting. Code leading? Yeah, anything. I mean, the cotyledon doesn't even have to be out of the shell yet, but as soon as I see the shell popping out of the surface and it's on a, attached to a stem, then I'm planting that in a, uh, one gallon or a solo cup or something that's coming out of the community dome right away because I want it to be like acclimated to that environment in the veg room without me having to go through some stupid hardening off process. Because I've, I think if you start it in a really high humid environment, it gets used to that and then you have to harden it off. But if you start it in the environment it's going to be in, you get to skip that whole process. Yeah, so that, that makes sense. So that's how have I you have you lost anything that way where you went to do it and then the plant was just like oh I'm not doing it I'm gonna die no you've never had that issue no. not with seeds now with clones I have I've pulled a clone out without hardening it off enough and uh, you know it got real dehydrated and um, I had to keep spraying it to try to keep it alive and yeah I've had issues that way before but not with seed with, with seed I, I mean it's always and, been good and that's the exact reason why I haven't why I'm not popping them here. <clears throat> and why I'm not, you know, I don't want to use a dome. I don't like using domes. I want to just do open air environment. I'm, I don't even like doing domes with my clones. Um, I, I like, like my bedroom is 70 to 75% humidity out at the farm. Like I'm, it's, I don't even want to waste my energy with this bedroom that's 30% humidity, you know, it's pointless. See, we deal with uh, basically 40% humidity all year round. And how we counteract that without doing anything super special with the baby tent is we set them in, like we wait just like everywhere else. We have them sitting in water and we just basically just cut out the airflow in there a little bit. And it makes it to where it gets, you know, way up there in the humidity ranges that we need. And we can just sit back and chill. The only time we really have to watch stuff, there we take that. 
is uh like the first week of a seedling like just you know last week when we did the grow off ones uh you could get over watering and they'll dampen off but after you get past that first week you know we just set it in there and replace the water until we need to transplant it it's, it's really nice you really don't even need much airflow other other than just opening up the tent because we keep a d's bag in there to keep the co2 up and it's good to go that's another thing I noticed, like, um, there's a product too, that was, um, uh, what was it called? There's a, it was something junior, but anyways, it was a little tiny, it was about the size of a credit card that you could throw into your, your, uh, clone dome and it would produce CO2 and it would raise it like to like a thousand PPM or something ridiculous because it's sealed. But, uh, I tried those things and I used them for probably a year because they made it, made it, uh, root so much faster. But then I just asked myself, well, I can just time this and save myself money from buying these stupid things. <laughs> so I stopped using them. But yeah, if you have a CO2 source, that's going to help your cloning too. I wonder if it's like, sorry to cut you off. I wonder if it's like a little fungus or like a little mycelium map embedded into like a little card. I've never seen those things. So I'm trying to envision what this thing is. Yeah, I had a question too, which is like about you saying mycelium and stuff. Has anybody ever soaked their seeds in anything like herb or any kind of Hormax, any B2s? Have you ever rolled your seeds in anything like, um, well, let's see, what do you roll the seeds in? I just mentioned I'm so fucking high, I can't remember what I just fucking said. God damn. I've heard of people putting like um, fucking really fine sandpaper on the inside of like a matchbox and then shaking them around and then rolling them like the mycos and shit. But like, that seems like such an unnecessary step. Or sprinkling I, mean, I guess, them I don't know, with... I've never tried it, but. Yeah. It depends though. Like if you're working with an old seed, that's the only time I'd say that you really need to do anything special with like uh, any kind of products or uh, scoring the seed with the sandpaper, like what you're talking about new stuff you just throw them in water or you throw them in a root ride and they're good to go or hell half the time i just put them in a solo cup in soil and i get really high germ rates me myself i use clonex i use it at uh seven mils per gallon it sounds like a uh, method is pretty much similar to everybody else this is my uh dedicated little clone dome seed starter right here i've got this at lowe's a long time ago and I'll soak my uh, my root right cubes in a gallon of uh, water with seven mils of Clonex in it, and then I'll lightly shake them out, and then I'll put them on in there, triangle up so they're almost like a triangle. I'll poke that with a pencil, and I'll shove that seed right side down uh, in about three eighths of an inch, and they'll stay in this uh, this dome here until I can see the taproot start pushing out the bottom. And from there, I'll plant them into a solo cup. And if they need any help from there, I'll just put a plastic bag over it. But uh, other than that, it sounds like it's pretty much on point with everybody else does, except for the Clomax. That's another good point uh, Eagle just brought up about, um, that's kind of another reason I use the cubes is because I like seeing that taproot. Um, because what I'll do is I'll take uh, whatever you want, whatever your mycorrhizae inoculate is that you have, just pour a little into like a, a Ziploc bag. And then you take your little cube out, it's already wet. And then your, your little roots hanging out the bottom, you can dig that root right into the powder. So you have that, 
you know, right on your root. And then you can plant that into your, your pot. Uh, I like to take that when I have their roots exposed, I always like to throw some of that on there. So with a seed, you can do that right away to its very first root. If you put them in a cube. I just, I just tried those root rides this time and I was super impressed with the speed on how fast that got going. Like normally when it was poking up is right when I'm just, you know, throwing it in there from soaking it in a paper towel or, you know, whatever. No, that thing was ready to go in a couple days. Yeah, it was charged with I mean, something. Are they charged with like a, um, they're, they're, like like a they're like, microbe or... it's like a peat expanded peat or something. But the idea behind it is a sponginess. You know, it was, it was developed by NASA to grow, you know, to propagate in space. But the reason the reason it works so well is is because it's just making sure there's a moist surface all the way around that that seed. You know, when people put the seed in a shot glass and it's floating on top of the surface of the water, half that seed's not being exposed to water. It's not absorbing any water at all. It's exposed to air. It's drying out. But in these peat plugs that are spongy and you put in that hole in it and, you know, they're saturated with water, it holds that water all the way around so that water can be absorbed into the shell and it gets a little softer and then it starts. It's actually jabrilic acid uh, gets activated i think is what it was that i was reading about it's one of the auxins i believe or no it's one of the hormones it's one of the hormones like an auxin but uh it's it's what activates the seed to start germinating but it has to have water i love it because we did before the pre-show we we said that we were going to bring up jabrilic acid and i said i don't know anything and he goes spartan will have something to say about spartan i I said it'll be easy to get spartan going off about jabrilic acid watch and see I have a package of it somewhere around here. I know I've got some. Oh, if you can talk about having that on air, can you? Well, it's also, I mean, because it's used to activate that that germination, it's supposed to be good if you um, if you have a seed that you're having trouble popping. You can uh, mix up a little bit of drabilic acid in the water and then soak that into your cubes so that that hormone's already present on the outside. So when it soaks in, maybe that hor- maybe the seed's really old and that hormone has you know, died off or it's not effective anymore. Introducing that hormone could be all you need to kickstart that thing to, to open up and get going. So that's why I have some. <laughs> that's how I know it, yeah, originally was that. When I first started growing, well, not when I first started growing, I'd say when I first started growing for patients and I uh, was doing it seriously, I was using root riots often. I would use, I would do all my clones in them. There was just a time, I think I eventually just switched over to rock wool for cloning. I like, I liked what the root riots had. I liked you could flip them upside down if you needed to and use them like the flat, it, like use it in a different way. So that it's almost more like a little pyramid so that it would like hold itself up if you wanted to. I always thought okay. that was kind of cool. You can. you can take them and, and set them upside down and then just poke a hole through the bottom. Yep. Then the flat surface that's usually the top is the bottom and it'll, they'll hold themselves up without a tray. I, I just yeah, use, cool. I just use a rock world square tray and it works fine. <laughs> yeah. The square trays are nice too, because you get that little air gap underneath the, where it's positioned the platform of it. And you yeah. know, if you want, if you don't have enough, humidity in there sometimes i like to add a little bit of water to that or maybe put some perlite and wet the perlite down there also i like yeah, eagle had like a great trades. video i don't know if anybody saw it <clears throat> eagle's got a great like seed start video you guys want to check out eagle gardens channel for that but he uh he suggests dropping it in a certain way kind of like if it were a i remember spartan suggesting like if it were a, a raindrop or something look at the seed like it was a raindrop falling 
and because as a taproot come out comes out and the seed comes out of the soil the shell actually gets pulled off that's one issue that i always have when popping seeds is that i always put it in the wrong way and this the cap is still on it like i've literally had six seeds that all were just like hey we still have our hats on and i would have to sit there with my thumbs and try to slowly crack them open and help them out and every now and then one might that was you eagle right was that the eagle? No, I've seen this. Yeah, that was the eagle too. video, and he has a certain direction that you put it in the soil, so that the soil actually helps pull that off. Because I do the same. I like to put it as soon as I see a tap root when I'm in the paper towel, or the tap root comes out about a half of an inch or so. I like to put it right into the medium that I'm going to be using. Usually, no dome or anything if my humidity is okay. And then from there, you know, but I always have that issue where the the little seed cap stays on, you know. Like what's every but what's what's anybody's remedy? Have you guys ever had an issue with that? I squirt water on the seeds, and it loosens the seeds up, and then uh, usually they'll wiggle themselves off of there. Um, if that doesn't work, I will have to pop them off by my hands, but I'll usually let them go for a little bit. Yeah, if I see them struggling with them, that's I do the same thing: spray it with water, and then uh, I'll do that for a couple of days. And if it hasn't released itself after a couple of days, then I'll get in there and just with my big fat fingers and try not to kill it. But sometimes it dies, but I don't shed a tear because I've got more seeds, lots of seeds. So <laughs> like I said, if you get, if, if they, I don't have time for things that can't help themselves. I don't want to grow things that are a chore for me to grow. I want it to be, you know, this is my happy place. So for me, if they, if they don't just take off on their own, then, I'll try to give them a little bit of help, but I'm not going to stress over stuff. I've got lots of seeds that I can get to. So that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, I agree with the getting it wet at first because that kind of helps make it a little pliable and malleable. It makes the shell a little malleable. That sounds like a new quote that. for the show. So Bad Bunny asks in the chat, does anyone use tweezers to handle seeds all the time, no using fingers? And that's actually a good question because I know that being sterile is really important when you're trying to pop seeds. I don't, I'll use my fingers, but I'll use like gloves. Do you guys use, what do you guys do? I have some rubber tipped uh, tweezers, the, the big longer ones. I use gloves. He gives them a kiss before they go in. I don't know about keeping it sterile. We're all about giving it some love. You ever spit on it a little? That was a Spartan method. I was going to say, he's no. had me put it in my mouth before and then put it in, yeah. <laughs> that is uh, Don't fillet that's a sound bite. Don't fillet yeah. the seeds. <laughs> All right. I'm, <laughs> that, that, I'm just going to let that pass. I'm just going to let that pass. But uh, <laughs> but there's, there's science to that. You have enzymes in your mouth. That's what you use to digest things. So, yeah, you're going you're gonna to soften the shell. And you're going to get that water. I'm choosing my words carefully here. You're going to get that water into the seed uh, easier that way and quicker should have. And then there's the, there's the hippy dippy where they say that you're uh, inoculating them with your DNA at the same time. So I don't know. I don't know about all that, but those are the things I've heard about it. There you have it, folks. How dare you talk about bro science? How dare you? I'm telling you, we got to start calling her Miss C. Elliot. I like. <laughs> I just like to present all the information and let people make up their own minds. I think that's the best way. 
Well, that's what you had talked about on Frugal earlier this week was about all the information, put it out there, and then we can talk about it. We don't have to agree about it. You know what I mean? Get over there with that gigantic hug-a-jug thing jumping off. Hold that up and give him some shout-outs for that. Okay, so if you ever go to the Dab House in Detroit, the people that run the kitchen are amazing. Their food is amazing. So I was like, I'm going to try this lemonade. It's like... Oh my God, it's so fucking good. It's not even medicated. I got two of them yesterday. Um, so this is cherry, watermelon, mango. And there's like, like, you can see the like chunks of fruit at the bottom. And normally, like I don't even get orange juice with pulp in it. It's disgusting to me, but like it just has chunks of fruit that you have to chew and it's so good. So if you ever go there, it's definitely, definitely worth it. The $5. Yeah, we got take home last night before we left. I mean, it, it's good food there. I'm a really picky eater, so if I order your food, it's good. Like Kate said, the, the food is really good, but she commented on it last night. It's different every time you order it, so you don't know what to expect. So that's the only downside to me. It's like um, their order of chicken tacos is a little bit different every time you get it. Different cooks, man. That's how they go. It's not different cooks. It's like a couple. And it's, it's not, not even a thing that I could complain about. And I can complain about a lot when it comes to food. It's just um, like, I like knowing what I'm going to get to eat. So I was going to eat one of the tacos that Sequence got, but then I had sour cream on it. But I don't think they had them on when I got them before. So then I just had to get my own, which is not really a problem. You know what I mean? Um, but it's super good food. I've had like hamburgers up there and uh, what else? Fried pickles and stuff. Everything I've had from there has been super good. You get mad munchies when you're there, don't you? Always. <laughs> Easy when for I'm me anywhere. to get the munchies there because the food is delicious. Like, you have no problem wanting to eat it. You show up there hungry on purpose. That's the way that I've done it the last time. I always appreciate that they have non-medicated food because I'll be like, oh, I'm fine. And then I realize that all the food we have sitting around us is medicated and I don't want to keep snacking on it. I'm sorry if I missed something. I had, we had an emergency. My grand, grandbaby via a mobile phone had pinched her finger and needed to talk to her grandpa. So that's what I was doing there for a second. <laughs> that's good, that's good. Somebody in chat was saying they were considering a uh, sticky mitten cannabis. Shout out to you in chat. I'm considering a hundred gallon for outdoor this year. Now, what's your guys' opinion for that? I mean, I I've ditched the pots. I just dig holes, throw so, my throw my soil in there, and then go in like that. You definitely could. The hundred gallon is like what is that? The uh, Mendo Dope method. The Mendo Dope boys use big hundred gallon pots on top of the soil, and then I guess it's like a pyramid tech, right? Because it's just going to grow into the soil anyway. But uh, I think the 100 gallon would give you a lot of time before you got down into that soil and you'd have a huge plant. So make sure you got the privacy for a plant that size. A 100 gallon with the right strain can be a damn, you know, 20 foot tree. That, that will be like a 15, 20 foot plant. Not, I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen in Michigan, though, with our season, man. And of course, Mendo Dope can do it over, you know, in Cali. That's true. Okay, but let's say we can even get those up to eight feet tall. You can still train the shit out of that plant and get you some garden tent stakes, pull her down, and watch it take off. Mendo's got a thousand gallon smart pots. Oh, okay, okay. 
And then I would, um, for your outdoor plants in general, um, get those soaker hoses and stuff and set those to timers for sure. Yeah, and if you're running clones, start vegging them now. You know, it's better to get a big plant up that can handle the outdoors instead of trying to stick some little football, you know, clones out there. Oh, I've seen in chat. He says his soil is not good soil. He's got a bunch of sand, <laughs> beach sand. Yeah, that would be uh, like a hydro grow. <laughs> You'd be, <laughs> you need this to have. Is, yeah, uh, so he's following the Mendo idea. That so makes, makes sense. sense. Okay, so yeah, that's where that's where a hundred gallon pot would make sense. But uh, that's going to get expensive, man. I I would look into a local uh, landscaping place and maybe you can get topsoil, screen topsoil, yeah. something like that to help save you a little bit of money and then you know, amend yourself or something like that, maybe reuse it every year because that's going to get expensive. Yep, and I agree. Um, they're saying they're going to go from seed. They're, and then that's how I would do outdoor plants as well. If I had the choice, you want that big tap root. So if you were going to go into the ground and you wanted to kind of do your own mix in the ground, how far down would you dig to do a pre-mix on soil? So what I did to figure that question out was, was the pots that I was using, I just had one opened up next to the hole and I was like, all right, I'm going to dig a hole that big. And uh, so I had the same amount of mix just in the, in the native soil rather than in a pot on it, you know? So yeah, just picture that size pot. Like I want to put enough soil to be like a 50 gallon pot. Well, picture what, how big is a 50 gallon pot? Dig a hole that size. That's the, that's the easiest way I can say to figure that out. Yeah, so I think the next step of this question is um, we should talk about how do you transition from popping your seeds or taking your clones under T5s and then putting them outside. So, and the other, I guess the other example is how do you harden off your plants so that they don't die when you put them outside? See, I've never had that issue. I've, I've grown outdoors for five years in a row now, and I've never had that issue, but I think why that is is because i grow i mean I, I start them like right now i'm not doing it this year because i'm going to do autos this year but uh i would like start them now and so by the time that i'm planting in june they're like mother plants so they're big old plants anyway and they they can take a, a bigger stress or whatever and uh, they always seem to be fine so you've never had the issue where the leaves just after one day in full sun they just go completely white on you like i've no. i've totally fried decent sized plants totally fried them no i've never almost all almost all plants too i've definitely learned the hard way about hardening off what lights did those plants come uh from under right they did that yeah what lights and then what do you do how do you harden them off well usually i well that's the thing usually when i'm well clones and stuff yeah t5s but like vegetables and stuff and usually just got them in front of a window so they're already well, I'm getting talking some about, sunshine yeah. so i'm talking about cannabis not vegetables I well I'm, I'm talking cannabis clones but those are coming from under t5s yeah that's a difference here because i'm using my regular veg light so i'm using that uh spectrum king for whatever it is 440 or 4 400 plus or whatever they call it i brought the blueberry and the blueberry the grape ape the granddaddy the blueberry really fried um I, and i was trying to harden them off too the blueberry actually got stressed out and got fried everything else kind of did all right 
<clears throat> but that was take him outside full sun for well not really full sun like partial sun for a couple of hours you know maybe the next day try to get it closer to full sun for a couple hours and every day to just kind of work it up a couple more hours a couple more hours but i mean i guess if you're coming from metal halides or something maybe led i mean leds are strong so if you're cloning under those your plants are already hardened off to something intense johnny sack in the chat story. says be careful moving from led to the sun and break them in slowly so maybe that's not the case maybe not yeah i don't know yeah all i know is in my experience is all i can say so i'll put that caveat out there but i've never not once even worried about it I just I, I literally take them out of my grow room drive them to the location throw them in the ground and i'm done for the day and i don't even go back for the next couple of days but just to check if they need more water now i've started seeds under direct sun haven't had any issues but i mean they're already getting it you know right off the rip so they're used to it I can really appreciate how all of your methods, Spartan, are very survival of the fittest. Like, you make it or you fucking die. Like, I like that. Well, I a- evolved to that, too. I mean, if you have two seed packs in your collection, obviously that's not what you're going to have. But now that I've got a big collection going now, I'm just telling myself, stop, you know, baby and everything, because you'll never get through all these seeds. So you, I've had to make make that change now so i'm trying to i'm trying to actually move more towards that even more i want to cycle more strains through i I am too actually i just want to cut stuff i'm finding like dumber reasons or like less important reasons you know it's like you can't keep all of them if you have the logistics i'd recommend you know pulling them in and out of your back porch you know for a few days or a few hours at a time before you go right into the ground but like Spartan was saying, that, that's not a luxury like I've ever had. I had to go right out there with what I got and throw it in the ground. I don't even normally get a pot. I have to go right to the ground. Yeah, when, when I am hardening off, something I'd like to do is, so let's say I'm, I don't want to put them in the ground any later than like June 1st if I'm really able to, right? I mean, if they're if our winter is gone, okay, I'm in lower Michigan. So up Northern Michigan, you guys probably got a little bit different. So anyway, June 1st, let's say wherever you're at in Michigan, you want to get it in the ground on that date. Um, I start my hardening off about a week before I'll start like taking it outside once a day, twice a day, bringing it in, taking it outside once a day, twice a day. And that way by that June 1st, I can get it in the ground or get it in its final spot wherever I'm going to put it. Two weeks is good too. But like that way it's getting used to that sunshine, you know, because sometimes if you take it outside on May 15th and then you get a frost on May 17th for whatever reason, you may or may not have really stressed out your plant or killed it. So that brings up a great point. Um, The law here in Michigan, you have to have some kind of enclosure that has a lock on it anyway around it. So when you're doing, when you're making this structure, make it so that you have maybe some cross beams across the top so that you can easily pull a tarp over it, pull a piece of clear plastic over it, uh, shade cloth, you know, um, plastic will help you for frosts and uh, hail, things like that, or heavy rains, uh, shade cloth, that's going to help you with hardening off. If you have a hardening off issue, just put the fucking shade cloth over, pull a shade cloth over and put it underneath that and use that to harden it off or, um, and at the end of the season, you're going to want to tarp because for some reason, especially last year, they just, in Michigan, they just wants to dump rain all over your plants when you're just getting ready to, you know, ripen up. So to be able to have the ability to pull a tarp 
and keep your plants dry at the end near harvest, that would just be amazing. So think about that now so you don't have to be doing that when it's crappy outside. Yeah, this is a lot like the generator advice. It's like you really wish you did this when you needed it, you know, or before you needed it, you know, thought ahead. Yeah, and everybody else did the same thing, and it's all sold out at all the stores. <laughs> yeah, that shade tarp is great, great idea. It's definitely useful to have around for lots of reasons. So we talk about the sun taking out clones and whatnot outdoor, and that's not honestly been my biggest culprit. It's been deer and rodents. I'd be curious to hear what you guys do about that. Other than, yeah, we can enclose them now, but that wasn't an option. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've always had an enclosure when I did it, you know what I mean? And so I did, I did have to, you still rodents and things like that. And um, my best advice is, you know, I, I know a lot of the no-till and some of the organics are really into cover crops and stuff, but uh, I'm fine with there being a, a short, like a, maybe a white clover, the ones that are super short, but uh, I, I go in there with a weed whip and I make sure everything's really short to the ground around my cannabis plants when they're growing because, uh, you know, airflow, uh, it, it hides, hides pests, you know, it gives them a place to hide. You know, if you have big, long, uh, weeds and stuff growing or grass and, and stuff like that, you're just, I think asking for trouble. So I prefer, and same thing with rodents and, and, and pests like that, you know, it gives them hiding spots. So if you have a, a a wide open area things are a lot more cautious about going into it and so that's i'll just go in there and it only takes 15 20 minutes out of your day to walk through your garden that you have enclosed with a weed whip and just take down everything that's big you know what i mean and uh, it'll, it'll save you a headache I, I think it's well worth the time to just knock that stuff down so, so you ready for some more bro science that worked for me outside uh <clears throat> the way i ended up combating the deer and getting them to stop messing with my plants was one of them was I'd literally go out there every morning and pick a different spot on the perimeter and I'd take a piss. And then another one is I figured out that they don't like to be uh, startled or anything like that. So I would take uh, like a plastic bag and tie it to branches. So no matter what kind of wind there was, there'd be random snapping and crackling around the area. And that seemed to keep those away. I don't know how effective that was on rodents, but I only had rodent problems maybe once or twice. You do like uh, cans or something on fishing line or maybe tin foil, yeah. strips of tin foil or something. A lot of um, even pests, some pests and birds and things are like repelled by the flashing lights. Um, I, I take kind of the opposite approach where I take more of like the permaculture approach where I just get a whole bunch of different species of uh, wildflower and things. There's, uh, you can specifically get packs of wildflowers that are labeled like deer repellent. So they're like species of certain wildflowers specifically put into that pack to repel deer. Um, so you could plant that like around the perimeter if you wanted. I like to plant things like uh, tomato or pot potatoes, carrots, other root crops and things like that to kind of keep the the moles and, and things at bay, rats, anything like that. They'll, they'll want to snack on some of that other stuff before going to your cannabis. Um, and I also like to plant different kinds of perennials in my yard that are going to attract predatory wasps and predatory 
uh, insects, just, you know, as much, as much, um, not really as much biomass because I, I do agree with the airflow thing. I'm going to get in there and make sure that, you know, around my plant, the general vicinity is good, but throughout, you know, the IOAs and things like that, I'm going to have some of these other uh, polyculture type plants going. There's another um, a way to, you know, everybody wants to fight things, but you can work with nature too sometimes. Um, if you're having issues with burrowing, burrowing, like rodents and pests like that, they're going after your roots. You could plant things that they're after to eat that they'd like to eat more, like potatoes. You know, potatoes are, the seeds for potatoes are super cheap usually. I mean, you can just grab potatoes and throw them in the ground for God's sakes if you wanted to. Get some potato plants, you know, in that general area for them to eat on, and they're not going to mess with your cannabis plants. So there's, there's, you can really think out of the box with, with things. But uh, I think the hardest part is identifying the pest to begin with. Figure out what the hell it is that's causing you your issues first. Once you figure that out, it's, you know, usually a Google search away of figuring out a solution nowadays. What I thought was funny is the both years the CBD and the fruity strains they both got taken out immediately and it was like give or take if anything like funky or whatnot would get taken out but I thought I found that interesting I mean these guys got me heated like I was ready to go out there and go Game of Thrones style and you know hunt a few of them and then stick some heads on a stake you know as a warning to the rest of them <laughs> but yeah I've basically done it that way before you know, you got to protect your crop sometimes. You got to get that pellet gun out. How, is, how were the results? That work out pretty good? I got one rabbit, you know, and maybe that was the only one you need. But uh, that one rabbit didn't come back. I have an issue with rabbits. <clears throat> I definitely got to keep my seedlings secured because... They like to eat everything. Definitely, man. I got to go in there and um, like do the chicken wire. I, I decided to put up a, a full fence around my whole yard when they were taking out my sunflower seedlings. I was smart enough to keep my cannabis seedlings up on the, up on a table while they were sprouting and stuff, but nope, not the sunflowers. So all the bunnies got the sunflowers and then I put up a fence thinking it would keep the bunnies out and it didn't. The bunnies got through, so now I got to put up chicken wire on the fence. So maybe I'll be able to just toss some seed. Uh, so did they dig or did they do like no. super rabbit hops over top of these fences? Through the fence. I watched them. So oh, so the they like hulked got, out. Yeah, I ended up getting like the, the like three or four inch by like inch and a half, you know, gate wire like that. And not big enough or not small enough. So now I got to go through and do another little pest perimeter, rodent perimeter. Yeah. Really? I think the best preventative is like, uh, I can't remember who was saying, but just plant other stuff they want to eat. Like yeah. When I had a different garden, they just ate that stuff. And that worked pretty well. You can also uh, get a cat pretty cheap. Have an outside cat. Yeah, this year I went and... I heard I that's how you get the cat piss strains. It's kind of cool. We have some... It's not actually cool, but there are a couple like feral cats in the neighborhood that are just, you know always coming up to the door and purring and stuff like that so i got a couple of them actually in the backyard and start putting some food out for them keep them in the yard we actually have some coyotes in the neighborhood now too so we'll see what happens 
it's wild how aggressive those are. I mean, not aggressive, but like how much they're moving into the uh, rural areas now. Are you talking about the coyotes or the feral yeah. cats? Yeah. There's coyotes in Chicago. Shit, there's coyotes in the cross the street from me. I hear them every night usually. Coyotes every day up here. Oh, you live in the middle of nowhere, Eagle. It's a creepy sound. Fucking in the woods. Jack London up there who's hanging out with Call of the Wild. He's got some serious stuff up there, like coyotes, the thing you want to run into. Fought off a bobcat to check his mail to get beans. The one thing it took me a minute to get used to is I, when I live downstate, you don't hear shit in the spring. Like, keep your eyes open. The bears are waking up. That's you'll hear that on the radio as you're driving around in the spring. You're like, oh, great, it's cool. You only hear that if you go to the wrong clubs down here. <laughs> Shredder nine one one in the chat. He said he said I had rabbits when I moved here, but now there are cats and no rabbits. <laughs> That's kind of what I was getting at. So All right, so the other thing that Scoboy and I had talked about in the pre-show for the uh, seedling talk was um, how far from the light do you put your seeds or how, you know, what sort of canopy distance do you have on your seedlings? What kind of light are you using? My only requirement for light for seedlings is can I see them? I don't care. It has, it, as long as it's got somewhat light that I can see them, who cares? It, well, some of, sometimes they stretch like crazy so if you don't have enough light on Well, them. I guess I should amend that. I don't care until I see them pop. Once I pop, then they put them in the bedroom under the strong lights. So then, yeah, then they're not going to stretch on me. But they're literally under a, an LED light that I think is like maybe 10 watts or something. And that same thing with my clones. That's what they sit under. For me, if it's the T5s, I keep it 16 inches away. If it's under the T5 LEDs, 20. If it's under uh, a better size LED, like something like this, uh, then probably two feet to 30 inches. And then as they grow up, as they uh, pop up and get a, you know, a couple leaves on them, I'll drop the light down as they get a little bit more uh, strong myself. There you go. We have a question from Rick Wolf asking uh, Spartan, what fulvic do you guys use at work? Yeah, I was just about to answer him. We, we use recharges, uh, and recharges got fulvic acid in it, also humic. That's good to know. I've been looking for a reason to buy recharge. I don't have a, just a standalone fulvic or humic. I've just been dependent on it to be there naturally, but it's nice to add extra in there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I I know I say it all the time, but damn, it's got like all this sh extra shit that most things don't. So I really like it. It's got your humic, you got your fulvic, it's got amino acids, which helps chelate calcium, helps your plant uptake way more calcium than it could without the amino acids. Um, I think it even has some B vitamins, has molasses, and then all the the different microbes. So, I mean, I don't know, it's just a really good product. Once a week is usually what my plants get it, or sometimes more. But at least once a week. You think that'd be safe to top dress some water in? Because I'm not about to mix anything in a bucket. I'm over that light. <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah. 
I think it. What do I think it would be safe? Yeah, I think it would probably be safe. Do I think it would be a good practice? No, I don't. Okay. It'd be too concentrated. I think you know, you're putting everything in, all into. And plus, one thing that I noticed when you add recharge, it always brings the. Uh, let me see. It always brings the pH really high, so it's going to be really alkaline. I guess it wouldn't be terrible, but. I don't know. I would. I would like. Yeah, I think I would do water. I think I would do water. That's just not a product for me, then. That's good to know. Right. Yeah. You could. Uh, how do you how do you fill your uh, beds? You don't put them in a bucket. No, I have a hose straight to my faucet. I just go tap right in my bed or right into my wicking beds and works. All right. So get you one of those. Uh, uh, go to like a tractor supply, a Meyer, or and go to the garden section and go to where they sell their hoses and things and fertilizers and get the little thing that you screw your hose into that's got the little canister that you can put something into and then uh, put it in there and then just fucking it'll mix as you spray. Dude, I need that because I could uh, throw my soap nuts in there with all my watering too and then that'll add it to my watering big time. And oh I man, with the soap nuts, that'd be crazy. Oh, yeah. Imagine that. Yeah, it's on and on. Those aren't much either. That's only like 20 bucks, right? Yeah, less, less than. Yeah. It's probably going to be, yeah, it might only be 10 bucks because you can get them. No, they sell them with like fertilizer in them, but get you get the plain one with nothing in it. And it should be fairly cheap. You're awesome, Spartan. Just saying. Dude, I really like Recharge, but they need to figure out how to make a bag that will close after you open it once because. Like fuck, you can never get the bag sealed again. So I would also recommend getting a jar to put it in. Yeah. Otherwise, you're gonna recharge on fucking everything, and it's like black and a really fine powder until it gets wet, and then it's like a large brown smear. So big clump. Recharge is really nice, but it's messy as fuck. I just use clothespin. You know, I just fold it over and clothespin it. <laughs> That's how I do it. This is where those guys are glad that they have 35% humidity too. Yeah, recharge can uh, leave messes, man. Like if you spill recharge, it's gonna you're gonna know because it's it's gonna leave a, a stain that you're gonna want to clean up. Get it while it's still wet and it comes up pretty real easy. Get it when, after it dries, you're gonna work on it a little bit. That's a good way to keep things clean. I don't know about you guys, but having amendments sitting around in like down to earth boxes and all that shit, like it gets messy. Like I've learned to repackage everything I buy into like Tupperware or whatever. That's good practice. That's what I've actually did with my jacks, and it comes in plastic bags. Um, I all of it is in Tupperware containers for like what you use on a day-to-day -day basis, and then uh, for the long-term storage, it's in five-gallon buckets that are like lock-sealed shut. I repackage things, and I also I've probably said this on here before, but I like fucking love it. I have like my tea recipes and shit in these tiny little laminated sheets so it's like all written down nice and then it's laminated so it gets wet all the time like i spill shit on it and it, you can still read it and i don't have to rewrite it and they're from the dollar store I'm that's big, a good idea i say i'm getting away from teas myself I'm, I'm just trying to make everything more simple for myself i guess i'm getting lazy but uh, i'm just more into top dressing shit now like give me a, a dry amendment I can top dress. I've been really looking. I actually sent a polish to 
a video I was watching about the, the basalt, but I'm, I'm looking at hooking up with the build a soil, getting the basalt for my mineral component. And then um, he's got a thing on there called craft blend that has just so many, so many good amendments all in one. And I figured with those two amendments, I could just like, I'm going to try it, but I'm just going to hit my soil and be and hopefully be able to just reuse my soil. And just hit with those you two should amendments. should be able to, sure. Why not? Yeah. It looks, I don't know. I'm going to get a couple sm like small containers of it and try it on like one plant and, and see how I do. So between those two containers and the recharge, you should be straight, man. Yeah, and you're using Coco Loco or one of the other ones that already have some kind of base nutrient in, in the first place. Oh, yeah. I use, when it comes to microbes, man, I probably have eight, ten products that I can use. And I like mixing it all up, giving it something different all the time. Mammoth P or recharge or oh man gosh i got so much stuff i even got that uh down to earth uh biolive that's got a bunch of microbes in there so yeah Dude, and shout out to you on the basalt thing that's another damn golden nuclear bomb analogy dropped you know within the last week that that's a game changer guys that we've been talking about rock salt a lot throughout the different shows and that's a that's a, a rock salt a rock dust that uh doesn't have heavy metals in it and I'm also wanting to read up on some synergistic things with that it or properties that it has too. I don't know enough on it yet to talk on it, but I've heard I've heard a few things. Sounds interesting. You got salts on the mind abolish? You want to talk about it after the show? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Uh, shout out to Smiley's Garden. This is saving me typing. This is great. Shout out to Smiley's Garden in the uh, chat. He's asking me, he goes, I believe that that craft mix just it still needs a compost or worm casting in it for the nitrogen and potassium stuff. And um, yes, yeah, Smiley, I have my own worm bins. So I'll be able to just uh, amend that with my worm castings too. So I'll be able to, I'll be able to close the loop hopefully there and only have to order those, hopefully just those two items. And I'm not even sure if I'm going to go with build a soil. I, I, I might go with build a soil because of that craft blend and, and go ahead and get the basalt at the same time. But uh, in that video, he referenced a website where he gets his uh, basalt from. And uh, actually, I wrote it down, so I, I might as well just tell everybody what it was. But it was uh, the actual place he or he, the website he was referencing was Rock Dust Local. So rockdustlocal, I'm assuming, .com. And the guy behind it all is Tom Vandercore. And he's a, there's a, another um, website to look at this kind of thing, like min, remineralizing your medium is remineralize.org. So that, I haven't been to that website yet, but I'm going to check that out whenever I get time. Because I really think that's one component that I haven't really been addressing was I'm not replacing the minerals. You know what I mean? Uh, and that's a, kind of a building block on the whole bricks. Uh, one of the ways I, I was noticing on these these high bricks um, programs are all like slamming a bunch of minerals in there. So it seems like if you increase your minerals and it doesn't seem like you can go super, I mean, you could go very heavy with something like the recommended rate. We'll say the recommended rate is a cup of this basalt per cubic foot of soil. Um, I don't know if that's the case, but we'll just say. You can, these guys seem to use a lot of calcium. Yeah, I was just going to say, you could put two cups in. You could put three cups on, and it's not super detrimental to your plant. It's just 
it's not going to use it. It'll use it when it when it needs it kind of a thing. So yeah, at some point you could go crazy with it and eventually you don't have anything to grow in but mineral and your plant's going to suffer. But that's kind of what I liked about it is it's a beneficial thing. And even if you're a little heavy handed with it, it doesn't seem like it's going to cause any issues, which seems, I don't know, pretty cool to me, especially the way I do things. I don't like to have to sit and measure everything. If I could just put a handful in, call it good. That sounds like my kind of thing. What's Eagle showing off over there? Look at those grenades. Put the pin back in those things. This is uh, some uh, skunk punch from on some baby nugs. Stirring up over here, listening. I got started when you guys were talking about outdoor. I'm not an outdoor grower, so I was just uh, sitting in and learning, <laughs> trimming, trimming and learning. Shout out to Med Grower One for sure, man. We've been going through the process of releasing the old podcasts that have that weren't ever released as video. It's been coming out on video, the very first Eagles. Um, Kyle's is out and Med Grower One is going to be on that list eventually and uh, shout out to him that'd be a really cool one to see again we can't forget about a uh, skillball show dropping tomorrow the late sesh that was a really good uh, episode oh you even got a, another really good one lined up after that for next week Trying to, man, trying to get some content together, find some topics to uh, talk about. So I just finished rolling up some biscotti that Carlos from 2020 Mendocino dropped on me. And I wanted to talk about their pheno hunt challenge a little bit because Skillbo and I are judging that thing. And uh, we got our judge sample kits today. They got symbols written on them instead of numbers, instead of letters. They didn't want to have any like input because like writing numbers on bags gives you like a false pretense like number one might be the best one or something like that or a higher number is better or you know whatever anybody could try to argue so that's kind of interesting that the way that they did that um so i plan on stealing all of their good ideas for our grow off competition so, it's like an uh, xbox controller yeah so uh, i thought that was really cool of those guys so the first of uh one many of the ideas um, what day is that, Spartan? Do you want to talk on that for a second? Are you asking what day is the event? The Yeah, the event. Yeah, it's going to be the Saturday. So this coming up Saturday, the 29th, is going to be the, the competition, and they're going to have um, prizes. I don't know for how many places and stuff, but uh, I it's just, you know, I was – I was there this week. I was there to turn in and I just kind of, I, I was actually the first one to show up to turn in and I just kind of hung out and, and was shooting the shit and uh, was talking with uh, Jeff from Great Lakes Genetics Seed Bank. And that dude is cool, man. He uh, he said he'd love to come on the show if you guys wanted to do a, a, pod, a podcast show or, or whatever. And then uh, some of the other competitors were coming in and we were hanging with them and everybody, you know, it was just like a session with you guys, you know, everybody comes in with their own weed, you know? Yeah. This is 
my, uh, you know, here's my turn and, but Hey, I grew this, try this, you know, Hey, I grew this, try that. I came in with some uh, blue cough and I shared that, um, I hooked Carlos up for the bag of that. He Holy was, cow. Look at a polish down there. <laughs> so Carlos was talking up your blue cough, man. He said they want a cut of it so that they can breed with it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. No shit. Uh, it is a, I really like it, man. It's one of my favorite flavors in the garden right now. I love that blue cough. And, uh, yeah, we just hung out and I, oh, man, I wish I could remember the guy's name, but anyways, uh, it was cool just to hang. So I'm excited for Saturday so that we could, you know, hang with everybody. And it sounds like there's going to be food and, and it's just going to be like a nice little party get together. So I'm excited for that. Oh, they're lost in the grass now. It's like Elysian Fields. Gladiator. Dude, Skillboat tonight in the bathtub, my kid picked up a thing of bubbles and goes, Elysium. And I was like, what does that mean? She goes, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Just came up with that word. Now it's my word of the day, because I've heard it twice in one day and never in the last year. Isn't that a movie with What's-His-Face? I think you might be right. Oh, and now it's just Miss C. Because Abolish is over there pulling a the Mixel Plick, the old fucking whoop. It looks like an early 90s MTV music video. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure why it's not picking me up the whole time. Freaky stuff. You're a vampire, bro. <laughs> Kate, didn't you say sometimes things don't recognize you as a person? Dude, yes. And today I was at fucking D's bag's house and there was he has like a whatever it's called, like a automatic sync thing. And it would only respond if I like tapped it. Instead of turning on and off, it would just shoot one thing of water out. But yeah, like revolving doors and shit, or like the automatic doors don't. So you have to go be like and then and shit, like dance at them for the fucking open, or like you have to like touch screen shit. It's like, yeah, I have to put in a lot of effort to get recognized by electronics, I guess. Yeah, I know. Like that same kind of weird stuff happens to him too. It's like he's not really there sometimes. What's really weird is when uh, like when you go into too. When I walked through like a heat scan thing or whatever, like they had a, they had some set up at the Detroit Zoo last summer, I think it was, or the summer before. And I was walking through there and like my aura, like just everything on me was so much brighter than everybody else. It's a little scary sometimes. Dude, I'm about to sound like a nutbag, but like I strongly feel like electronics don't work right around me either. Like I can't fuck, and it's not like I'm like hard on them more than other people like my fucking shit just doesn't work. Like my front camera won't work on my phone. Like I can't wear watches. Every Fitbit I tried wearing would work for like two months before it would get some glitch. Like I genuinely think that there's like. Are you secretly an X Men? Dude, find me a school. I'll maybe, go. <laughs> maybe. Find maybe me I'm, a school. Maybe I'm Doctor Xavier. You're bald. It's all coming together now. Sequence is going to kick my ass one of these times and put me in a fucking wheelchair. Wheelchair. (laughs) Wheelchair. Exactly. One of these times I'm going to go too far.
Next time you switch your computer before we got to go live and you can't figure it out, I'm going to come over there and break your legs. <clears throat> That's going to be our group costume with X-Men now. Perfect. You're even in the center right now, Professor. One time at the bank, some dude was like, do you know who Jean Grey is? I was like, no. He was like, you look like Jean Grey. I was like, okay. He was like, you should cosplay as Jean Grey. You look like a cartoon. Yeah, weird. So chat's pretty cool right now. It's uh, talking about enzymes and they're recommending Ponzyme, which is you can sell for like 20 bucks for a concentrate of a pound of it or something. And it works really well, they say, as an enzyme and it's been tested and everything's fine. That might be something pretty cool for $20. So what does an enzyme do for us? Breaks down old dead material, stuff like that. Uh, I would definitely recommend always going with a malted barley. I still think that's going to be more cost effective. Yeah, it, says, it says it has, it said it also has malted barley enzymes in it or something. Okay, like that. then yeah, just buy the malted barley and you can get a lot for $20 and it goes a long way. Um, the enzyme also sequence is something that would like keep a res clear, um, keep lines. Oh, nice. Things like that. Nice, nice. I'll have to look at that because I obviously can't use something like malted barley in my system. Well, in, in your system, I would still go with uh, like an SLF 100 or one that's designed for hydroponic. The SLF 100. I use uh, water. I mean, that stuff was awesome. Drip clean or whatever the hell. Is that the same thing? I don't know what drip clean is. I haven't, I haven't used it, so I can't tell you. Thanks for nothing. Yeah, I also recommend SLF 100 if you're going to use a bottle. When I used a bottle of enzyme, that was the one I used. It's good stuff. All right, all right. I also use SLF 100. I used to use hygrozyme like five years, four or five years. There's also another cheap one that's like a bottle and it's called BioCozyme, but I don't know if that actually is enzymes or if that's just using the whole zyme thing to sell I'm not sure it's also an enzyme from Growmore. i used that for a long time too and that's also good it didn't look as clean as far as like slf 100 looks like water like i'm like am i spending money for your water what is this but uh, yeah, the biocozyme had like uh looks more like tea or a little bit dark yeah yeah, my drip clean that I use, it's pretty expensive, but it looks like super clean. It's got citric acid and something else in it. But it's to keep emitters and reses and stuff clean. That's what it's for. Oh, one easy tip to, to for people that have like drip emitters and stuff like that is just like run an extra gallon of straight water at the end if you're running your, your res all the way clean. I mean, if you're feeding until runoff or whatever. Just run like straight water at the end after feeding to push out all the nutrients. So all you have is water at the end to help, you know, push a little bit of that extra. If you leave nutrient water, nutrient rich water in lines to sit, that's where it starts collecting and stuff. Don't yeah. piss your future self off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ego, that plant was like two feet taller than you. Ha, ha, ha.
Yeah, I had a few of them that uh, topped the tent. They actually hit the tent and bent over uh, the insane and the membrane. You can't. You might as well flower that thing. If you're gonna flower that insane the membrane, you might as well flower that thing at like ten inches, because it's still gonna end up at five feet. If it, there's one right here, I don't know, still standing. You can you see the top of the tent right there? Fucking all bent over. That thing was two feet tall when I uh, when I threw it in there. The thing just goes and goes and goes. So beware if you get that strain and uh, lucky enough to pull that out. Eight to ten inches flip. That's, oh, that's hilarious to look that. at. Sub always told me to grow four four plants per quad trees. I always live by that advice. Sticky Mid Cannabis was asking if uh, any of us use lollipop technique. I'm pretty sure all of us do it in at least one room or in some form or another. Yeah, I was just typing on that. Good practice. I definitely lollipop my plants. Um, like when, right when I go into flower, when I put them in, I'll lollipop them at the first net. Everything under that gets pulled off. I've started lollipopping a little bit more as part of like an IPM in my mind, like having a more of a space between the soil and the bottom of my leaves where the things that I don't want are gonna go anyway is like theoretically gonna make it less likely that they'll go bury themselves in soil and shit. It just seems smarter. So it's one of the reasons why I've started cleaning up the bottom of my plants a little bit more. Especially if you have a fan that's blowing airflow in that space between um, that keeps like fungus gnats and stuff from getting from the soil to your plants. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm actually doing more and more and more lollipopping. Like I keep going higher and higher and higher with it. I don't, ever since I seen the, the evidence from that uh, Kiss Organics episode, I think it was in the 30s, 34, I think it was, if I remember right, that like they measured it. And it's like, if you're not getting such a level of light then the only thing that that leaf is doing is it's not photosynthesizing at all and it's just transpiring which means it's just dumping humidity into your room so anything that's not getting a good amount of light i'm taking that off of the bottom so i usually have about a two probably between two to three foot depth of canopy other than that you know i cut anything past that i don't want to have a four foot of foliage and a bunch of just spindly small things usually branches any branches like smaller around than maybe my pinky anything that you can i mean we know as growers as we grow you can tell when you look at a branch you like that's never going to be anything you know what i mean you know that that's never going to make it all the way to the top or that's never going to be have enough time to get strong enough to even support its own weight you know those real spindly looking things I'm taking all those, you know, as soon as possible. And I'm really only trying to concentrate on keeping the big, nice, thick main stalks. And I'm seeing, I mean, <clears throat> did you see those colas on the, that strain uh, Eagle gifted me, that blueberry quintessa? Those colas are probably the biggest ones I've ever grown indoors. It's ridiculous. Just these huge, massive. So, uh, I don't know. I'm having fun with it. 
Yeah, I'd have to say if you consider lollipopping, like cleaning up the bottom of the plant at any point in its life, or cleaning up what I call like sucker branches, or, um, you know, they're basically sucking the the energy from the top of the plant. So what I like to do is, you know, about two weeks after they've been into their fresh media, I guess they're at a juvenile plant stage, just about every two weeks, I clean up the bottom of the plant or any suckers that I don't think are going to be beneficial branches, really. And then a couple of weeks before, before I flip, I kind of stop a lot of the main stresses. I'll probably do a final topping maybe, but usually the bottom of the plant is already cleaned up already a couple of weeks before I flip. And then I'll do a final lollipopping, I guess, two to three weeks after I flip whenever I can uh, try to manage it really no specific day. I try to be done with it before I'm three weeks in though. I want to keep all heavy stresses done before that. I myself, I like to lollipop a couple days before flower. If I've worked with the strain before and I know it's not uh, a stretcher, like this insane. Uh, if it's something like this insane that I know it's going to stretch like crazy, I'll let that undergrowth go and kind of use it as a, almost a brace for the plant. Let some of that undergrowth suck up some of that energy and try to keep it from stretching so much. And then after the second week, second, third week, as Red was talking, then I'll go in there and uh, clean her up a little bit, stun her for a few days, and then uh, call her good. But uh, nothing more after two and a half, three weeks. Kind of wanted to go back to the, the enzyme thing real quick, because I was wondering, and then I think I seen Smiley mention it too. Why can't you use malted barley in your hydroponics uh, sequence because you can brew it and then strain anything out and then just add it in just like any other kind of liquid. I don't want to put a bunch of particulate inside of my reservoir. Um, that's going to lead to uh, like build up in my mind I think that I'm going to have to wash out of there all the time. The Jax is designed like to be fully water soluble and like it's super clean in the system. I don't have to worry about Consist like I wash it or clean it every run, but I don't have to clean it like every week or something like that. And I think I would if I started introducing some organic you think particulate like would come through like a brewer's bag or whatever. If you had that in your uh, your bubbler, I think he's worried more about like his drip lines, just organic. Just out from like the I, yeah. I just added like tribus, and tribus is like already almost you know it's a dissolved. It looks like a milkshake or it looks like yuhu or something. And I, and it's, you can add it to your res. So I tried it. Horrible idea. Terrible idea. It just messed up the, it, it really messed things. It didn't like clog anything at all. It dirtied it up though, to the point where like sequence said, don't have to clean your res, but in between runs really it stays clear. stays clean. So, so not for anybody that's running lines, but say like a DWC, a single bucket, that'd be feasible then. Yeah. I can't comment on DWC. I've never even tried it. Yeah, you're probably dealing yeah. with different pathogens because you're always I don't even aerate my water, so I would think it would work in a DWC. Um hell it would it would brew like a tea in a DWC. Yeah, Stinky Cola says I use Jack Song with other raw salts and barely enzyme extracts. I clean my res once a run. 
I don't even need to clean it when I do. And that's what I love about the jacks, you know, like it is designed to be fully soluble and it really is. It doesn't leave a lot of residue everywhere. Um, there's not a lot of leftover salts like on your drain pans and all of that stuff. It's really neat. Throw PB for all these papaya uh, tips out there. I love papaya. I'm just loving this. He's dropped some serious knowledge bombs out there. I didn't know you could use it. Thought you need to just stay away from citrus when it comes to top dressing stuff. Um, if you have worms, be careful with citrus. I think, but uh, other than that, I I don't know. No, doesn't it? Does citrus lower your pH, if I'm not mistaken? Or is that specifically like lemon juice? Yeah, if it's got a lot of citric acid, I would imagine uh, the acid would bring that pH down. Which, if you have a good biology, he says it's not a citrus, though. That's where I'm mistaken. I guess it's not just a fruit. Better get your fruit facts straight. Abolish. <laughs> Well, if it's not a citrus, then maybe you'd be okay. Does anyone have any other garden updates and their other plants? Um, I'm getting ready to harvest. I'm going to run the whole garlicane plant, we think, fresh frozen. That sounds pretty tasty. Um, besides that, probably flour for most of the rest of the stuff. Um, maybe another mixed run of other stuff of like the lowers and stuff, but um, I really like the flower. I uh, got the Tropicana cookies, been sexing those for like six or seven days. So they should start like popping little pre-flowers here pretty soon. So I'll have those sexed out, really excited for that. And then uh, GMO uh, coming up the pipeline and then the grow off plants. So I'm gonna start taking a bunch of pictures of those. So I'm excited for that. What does everyone else have going? I'm going to be harvesting probably pretty soon too. I have the Citro Glue, the GG4, the Moby Dick, and the Keweenaw Copper coming down. Do you know what day you're at? I think I am at day 48 today. You know who's got a garden update that's never gave one before is Miss C. She's got her own little setup now. Maybe she could tell oh, us shit. about it. Uh, yeah, so we just uh, got a new tent, um, another four by two and set it up. And we've got a skunk, an OG and a sour melon in there. I just transplanted them. Um, they're looking pretty sad right now. Uh, they had been sitting for a while um, as clones in the little easy swap pot half gallon. So when I took them out, I had to rip off quite a bit of roots. Um, so checked on them today and they're not looking really happy, but I'm hoping in a few days they're gonna bounce back. So. I got shown her the, the sour melons in the, uh, the Frugal Force build room or whatever. They look the same two weeks ago. 
they it just happens, you know. The, once they get in there, they get their roots established in the system, they, they bounce right back up. It's just something that we have to deal with with our rotation where we have clones sometimes sitting around waiting for a bed because we don't use multiple pots. It's one of the drawbacks. But we could counteract that by taking a lot more clones. We just don't do that. It is pretty neat to see how quickly plants will bounce back after you like abuse them a little bit. You know what I mean? It's one of the things that I like about how hardy a lot of them are. Like you fuck up watering or something, you know what I mean? You can like treat them nice and then the next day they're happy looking again. I usually do like really hard resets on my mother's. Um, I'll almost defoliate the entire thing. I'll almost like, if you will, use that term like swazé, almost the entire thing or swazzy or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I'll chop them down. I'll almost, uh, you know, if the plants, I'll, if the plants three feet tall, I'll knock it down to a foot tall, whatever, wherever like, the bottom node is, wherever there's a nice fresh piece of leaf matter and I'll take it all the way down. And yeah, it stunts the growth. Um, but I have other mothers staggered so i use the other ones and the mothers come back full force two weeks later just as they should you know take new cuts three weeks later have to take them back two feet down you know i'll hold moms for a year sometimes with that same technique all year long it does a lot of things too man it like that's a way to control humidity you know, with all the airflow, you're opening it up by doing that. There's there's a lot of positive things to do it. And like what you're saying, there's applications for it all day long that make sense to do in the garden. Like, there you go. Keep in mind. I'm a hydroponic farmer, and I should probably mention that. So I don't know if there's risks in the organics if you're doing a no-till indoor, but I typically don't do that in my outdoor plants. I do think you can't strip as hard in organic. If you do, I mean, you can, but it's going to stunt your plant but to try to to try to, to get around that you can try to simulate hydroponic and the organic answer to that is teas so you can make a some kind of a nutrient tea so that uh, the microbes that are you're brewing in that tea you're working on those nutrients at the same time by the time you water that in hopefully it's more plant available and it's going to be like almost like a hydroponic nutrient you know boom right now plant available try to replace some of those lost nutrients that you just ripped off the plant but yeah i wouldn't recommend it in a hydro or in a organic setting it's just i at least every time i've tried it i've seen worse results if i do it so in yield i'm not saying i don't strip the leaves i just don't strip all the leaves <laughs> i agree with well, that hydroponics is such a different such a different scenario i mean Usually you have a lot of different variables at your advantage, one of them being probably light intensity, CO2, and then being able to utilize all of those variables by boosting the mineral content with your water-soluble nutrients. I mean, your plants just have that rebound. You're able to, you don't have to worry about the ecology with inside the, or the microbe world going on. You can just kind of force feed it if you have to. You know, you want the microbes to help get it in there better but it's not really necessary for the most part i'm gonna get a lot of backlash for saying all that but i know that microbes are necessary. i know microbes are in the air 
they're all around us, but you don't have to necessarily add them is kind of what I'm getting at. I don't use them in any of my crops and you guys like my stuff. They're there, you just don't know it. They get their natural. Well, I mean, like what he's saying though, you don't, it's not, nothing additional I've ever added. No recharge, no tribus, nothing like that. No mycos. But no I bet you, be, you do do good. You do do good. That micro but if you added it in, if you added microbes in, I guarantee you sequence that you would have more flavor. You would shit your shit would just You're probably well, right. I, I think they're being pulled out of the air anyway. I mean if you just let an aquarium sit for two weeks, it'll eventually um ammonia. There, you'll eventually get some kind of organic matter breakdown that'll turn into ammonia that'll start your nitrogen cycle. Well that ammonia comes from somewhere and it comes from more organic breakdown. So there's just microbes that just immediately start to Get, I mean, even if you use uh, RO water, you start with RO water, it's been filtered. There's no bacteria or anything in it. Just the air bacteria just starts that cycle. Just eventually happens. So I don't want to say you don't need microbes because you do, but there's just something different going on with hydroponics. So you can kind of force feed. It's kind of what I'm getting at. Definitely two different entire mindsets and processes going on there. Shout out to uh, the American one in chat. He said on his leaf strip, he uh, he takes all the leaves off the main stalk in one day, but then a couple more leaves every couple days so that the plants don't get a beat down. That's kind of a good approach. Um, I have like a modified, like what I do is I do like three different, I do a lollipop, I guess is that leaf strip? I don't know. I do a lollipop right on day one of flower. I'll, I'll leaf strip around uh, day 14. I'll thin it out a little bit if I th feel like I need to. And usually that's more cutting off those branches I was telling you about, cleaning up those sucker branches on the bottom and stuff like that. And then uh, on day 42, that'll be more of me concentrating on trying to get every large fan leaf off at that point. So anything that's attached to a main stem, that's coming off. And um, then I just let them cruise on until the end. And that's usually, that's like my current system of doing things. It's always evolving, but that's where I'm at right now. I love that. It's always evolving. My, I mean, I could tell you the way I do it today and it's going to change. Just this conversation might spark an interest in trying something else. And next week I'm doing it different. I love that. I'm definitely a stripper and uh, in veg all the time. Anything that's bigger than average, uh, gone out of there i'm not afraid to strip it right down to the very nothings in veg and then in flower times uh around that uh one two week i uh get a lollipop at that time i'll also take off some leaves uh and this is my methodology at that point i'm stripping some uh leaves if there's a leaf at the where there's a branch growing off the stock I'll pull that leaf off because I figure that leaf no longer is growing and doesn't need that solar panel. Let that energy go somewhere else. If there's leaves further up, <clears throat> like on a bud site, there's a leaf there, I'll leave that. But anywhere there's a branch, I'll strip all them out and anything else can stay for a while. And then right before harvest, I'll go in there and strip her clean again and let her finish out another week or whatever. Let all that energy fatten up the bugs. But that's my approach at stripping them down. 
I'm the same way, Eagle. Pretty much the same thing. Eagle, you've got riling up right there with your little bit of nice, clear internet signal. Yeah, we thought we used about the script for us. But uh, we we used to do it like 7, 14, and then 21, and then realized that's a lot of work. So we've been doing it just at day 21 for, I'd say, the last five, six cycles. We seem to like that. Just stripping everything down to the nose. You guys want to see Eagle strip? Just follow his Instagram. There's a lot of pictures of him without clothes on on there. Is that why they keep banning Eagle? Because you're showing some titty. That may be. That may be. Hashtag free the nipple. Shake I support your tail you, feathers. Eagle. Let the eagle out of the cage. The Eagle, are you going to start your own Patreon where we can pay for even more content? Pay to move Patreon. the camera down. <laughs> Patreon for more tattoos is what it would probably be. And there you go. You just have to have the internet pick your tattoos. That's the problem. I advise against that. I ain't got that kind of trust, that's for sure. I like they'd be kind to you. (laughs) Skillboard, are you all right? Like sitting here nursing this migraine like a motherfucker, man. I'm like, God damn. It's killing me. I thought you ate a piece of Kate, uh, Kate's tiramisu, man. That shit's nuclear. Now that'll get you stripping on the couches and shit, you know, for some boudoir things. Hey, dude, I have a double whammy right now. I ate a piece of that tiramisu as the show started, and I have a headache. So I'm like in my own little fucking world. And I had eaten about 300 milligrams before that after dinner time so i'm about 700 milligrams in right now holy so. shit hey i am still high from that pie <laughs> i woke up at like 1 p.m like had not moved i spent a good bit of today high from that tiramisu for sure i like that you texted me and you're like i am alive i think <laughs> That's probably the biggest thing I miss about the meetups is the delicious edibles you guys always bring. Man, I love edibles. Just miss that shit. Looking and forward to seeing you all soon, that's for sure. When you go to these sessions, like we've got a table covered in edibles now of delicious, delicious stuff. Suckers, ring pops, tiramisu, jerky, mushrooms, uh, strawberries, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it depends on what season it is. The bummer about that, though, is it's such a long drive down there. That leaves a hell of an appetite by the time I get there. And then I'm trying to not eat that shit on a three-hour way ride home. So, yeah, that's the bummer about coming down to see you guys just to get edibles. That's why the dab house, house is nice, though, now, because they have the kitchen that's not edible food. So you can get... 
like we I took food in the car with me last night like ate while I was driving home and then you get home and just top off your high with a little bit more edibles and go to sleep but I like I love that because I never wake up like hungover the next day you know what I mean like weed hungover I just wake up and I'm like holy shit my body feels great and I'm not fucking angry at everything Yeah, it was really a mellow day for me. He said something. He was like, wow, you've been in a great mood. I'm like, yeah, I'm just here. Abolish said the tiramisu kind of made it so you guys didn't get anything done today. I mean, yeah, I wasn't super motivated, but I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> Should have seen her walking around the store. Just like, you okay? It's like, yeah, I'm just functioning. It looked like the uh, session did well, though, from the pictures you guys posted of uh, all the stuff collected for the teachers. Man, what a great cause. Uh, um, a lot of people, a lot of don't realize teachers out of pocket a lot of shit. A lot of books, a lot of, you know, tissue, a lot of stuff that them kids are supposed to supply these days. If that kid doesn't bring it in, well, most times it's the teacher that picks up that bill and uh, supplies that stuff. So, man, my hat's off to you guys for uh, helping out there. That's completely awesome. I can't get enough help. Well, and how cool is it that the teachers got a hold of the people from Sesh for a Cause and were like, hey, we could use some help from you guys and knowing that it was a cannabis event and all of that stuff, and we were still able to help. That was really, really cool. I think that adds an extra layer to it. The win-win-win situation. It's not every day we get to help kids, you know, because of the stigma and stuff we deal with, with what we do. You know, it, it was just, that was awesome. And I thought it was really cool that they had some of the teachers there. Um, and, you know, the teachers were like all together and they, one of them was like, yeah, teachers smoke weed too. And, uh, you know, I think Kate gave them some edibles. I gave them some edibles, just like thank them for what they do too. So they were having a great time on top of, you know, being there for the kids and stuff, getting to show them some appreciation. Damn right. My best teachers, I'd say, in high school were stoners. We knew they were stoners because they were the most elaborate. They got out there. They, they were passionate. You know, all for it. Yeah. Stoner teachers. Yeah, shout out to all the old stoner teachers that try keeping it a secret. We figured you out. Or at least we think we did. We knew. I think we did. We appreciated you. Ceramics totally teacher. You. Definitely, definitely a few biology teachers, chemistry teachers. I guess if we can do a little garden update. We had or myself, we had a bunch of stuff going on this week. Uh, Chop skunk one, because that one's been finishing up anywhere from 54 to 58. And then we also have the uh, the OG and the sour left in that tent. And those both look like they're going to need at least another two weeks. Uh, up top, as far as the grow offs going, I have I am five or six right now. I had one of them that ended up dampening off because I wasn't there every day to watch it and I do wicking. And like I said, that first week it's touchy with seedlings when you do that method. You kind of want to be there. And uh, 
see. Over in the, the Easy Swap Pot, Frugal Forest Room, all the sour melons, they're blowing up. They'll be ready to flip here on the first. Uh, see, the other, the big, the big five by five where I have sequences, uh, Crescendo, I have a Babel in there, Skunk and two OGs, I think. No, had uh, Sour Melon and two OGs. That room is the room that got messed up a little bit with me messing with DLI and I flipped it in the flower too early and then flipped it back. So I got a bunch of short, bushy looking plants that should be interesting versions of all my strains for us to show. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, things are going pretty good. I'd like to share my garden, but I'm so high right now because I just realized I ate a cookie earlier and I forgot and I'd been smoking like I hadn't ate a cookie. And it's all really hitting me right now, all at the same time. <clears throat> so that's cool. It's nice that you're still finding ways to get high though, you know? Yeah, you, you gotta be creative, man. You can't just, you can't hit it with just one way. You gotta, you gotta hit it edible times flower times hash. You know, you gotta hit it from all angles. That's why I got that suppository for you for your birthday. I, I don't even doubt it. I, I'm sure you pro I'm, you probably like made it yourself in a cast so that it's like exactly just like you. It's a replica. It's yeah, in the definitely. shape of a Spartan warrior. Damn, then he got the loot from me. Spartan must have a fun night when he gets off air. Hey, man. Sequence kisses. Whatever it takes, man. Whatever it takes. You gotta, you know, someone once told me that you should try everything at least twice. Sounds wise to me. I actually had a dude try to sell me medicated tampons at an event once. I was like, I just imagine him like making them in his basement. You know what I mean? Like, like most of the shit at events. I was like, ugh. Doros is the R&D was a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was weird too, because it was just two dudes. And I was like, is it just you guys? And they were like, yeah. And I was like, what inspired the two of you to make tampons? And they were like, don't you feel like you need them? It was a really weird interaction. Um, I don't think they're probably still making medicated tampons. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a great, you should have asked, you should have got that on camera. That'd have been a great interview, you know? You could have made that super uncomfortable for those guys. Well, so he was like, he said something and I was like, do I look like I need a medicated tampon? Like super bitchy because it was like weird however he said it. And then he was like, uh, uh, uh. So it just like, it was one of the most awkward interactions I've ever had at like a cannabis event about a product. But they did have suppositories too though. So they just might be people that like- No mistake, if that's not a product that should be marketed by men, it's going to come off creepy no matter who you are. Yeah, I think so too. Unless you're Dr. Phil. No, even he has his wife do that shit. I watch it, you know that though. I guess I could do a little update. Uh, I'm in a perpetual, so I'm always kind of doing the same thing. But one thing that I am doing this round that I haven't done in a couple other rounds is I'm changing some light bulbs in the next couple of days. I just went and got some new Hortilux double-ended um, HPS bulb, 1,000 watt HPS bulbs. Uh, I've run the Hortilux brand. The uh, the Max Bar that come with the Nanolux lights just do some funky stuff kind of to my plants. I think that they're a little bit too intense. I saw some 
other reviews that kind of compared them. They were a unbiased company that matched up a handful of, uh, of different types of bulbs and they were, the max pars were like the most intense. So I have a feeling that that's kind of what was doing some funky stuff. And whenever I grow under the Hordalux, I just get some fantastic results. A little bit more on the bluer spectrum. You can really see it when they fire up. They fire up really blue. It's kind of cool. That's what we use at work too, is the Hordalux. Really like what, uh, what that does to the plants. I miss them in flower. I mean, there's something about that dependability. Yeah, we're wasting a little bit of electricity, but damn, time after time, you got the same results. And they were good results, you know, you should just blew up. Yeah, I mean, you get, you get deep into the canopy with them. I keep them, I can keep them mounted on the ceiling. I don't really have to mess with them too much. I, I could, you know, I would have probably better results if I did, but for management reasons, I can keep them on the ceiling. You know, and equally get same results, similar results, good results. What you got going over there, Eagle? I like what I see. Uh, right here, we're looking at some Primal Punch F2s. Uh, back over this way, we have some Dominatrix from Empire Breeding. And let's see what we got here. Another uh, primal right here. Under the light that needs to be changed, we have uh, some insane in the membrane that's topped out both here and I've got her up between the lights there so she don't burn. Insane there. And um, in the back there, we have some uh, primal punch F2s going in. And uh, over here, a 4k setup right here and uh, over here we have some uh, black frosting we have uh, pine valleys that's getting ready to be flowered this is actually the one i took out of the mars led tent that uh, as you can see was not gonna work uh under that light way too big she's uh i would say she's right about four foot right now four foot bush I pulled out of that 30 by 30. And uh, we have uh, another dominatrix right here getting ready to fire. Uh, another pine valley back there. What else do we have here? That's a, a beautiful loser right there, ice cream. And uh, these are being grown in 10 gallon uh, chunky cocoa. Growing cocoa is what I use. Uh, Blue Planet Nutrients and a mad mix of some other shit. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much what's going on here. I actually had one person ask me one time, <coughs> excuse me, how I control my humidity in my tents. And I do that with these uh, damp rig buckets. And a little mess here because I just pulled that plant out. But these damp rig buckets are good for six months. They're 10 bucks. They'll drop your humidity down even when I, at night when uh, the tent's all closed up. It's in there sucking up humidity. They're good for smell as well. But for 10 bucks per tent, they really, they really, really help out a lot. Uh, they save some money from you having to run a humidifier in your room, which can add, you know, money, heat, whatnot. So they're a good solution in a pinch 
for humidity and whatnot. They do, like I said, they do help with the smell a little bit. They don't affect smell at all, but uh, I guess you could call that a little pro tip. I throw one in each tank. If, uh, if I do notice humidity, because I keep track of that stuff, spike out during the summer months, I'll put two in there. So I guess basically one per four by four if everything gets out of control. But uh, that's a little update under the 4K side of uh, my grill. So hope you enjoyed that. Thanks for listening. <laughs> that's such Thanks a cool pro tip. It looks awesome, man. Go ahead, Red. Yeah, no, that's just such, that's a really cool pro tip. Eagle, did you say you were using growers cocoa by chance? Yes, it's a general hydroponics. Hold on, I got a fresh batch right here I can show you. Uh, hold on here. Flip this camera around. Right there, that's what I use. Oh, grow it. Okay, okay. The, the core chips, look so, at that stuff. They're giant it's chips. Like, it's, it's like playground wood, wood chips. chips. Playground wood yeah, chips. Yeah, there's no need to for aeration with this shit. I mean, it's very airy you can plan on watering quite a bit at this store i'm paying well i pay less than that it's more like 10 bucks for a you know 2.5 cubic and then i take one of those and i will mix it with an old 10 gallon and then uh reuse until it if it starts getting real fine i'll get rid of it but uh i keep it chunky i like it it's super airy i don't mind watering but uh, yeah, that's what I use right there. Shameless plug for General Hydroponics. There you go. <laughs> I like it, man. Thank you. Yeah, that <clears throat> that bucket idea is great for the tent grower. It's an excellent idea, especially if you don't have an additional um, outlet. Dehumidifiers, four, five, seven. 11 uh, amps depending on the size yeah if you can eliminate a dehumidifier that's big because dehumidifiers dump a ton of fucking heat too into your room so you i know the one i have is pulling 10 amps you know as long as it's running so that's huge on a you know 200 amp panel that's an extra thousand watt light for two six hundred Hey, Eagle, what's the beautiful loser cross again? I don't remember what it is, but I know that I want to smoke it. It is uh, Challenger Deep times Winnie, excuse me, Winnie. And Challenger Deep is Star Destroyer times Wizard Blue, which are both ocean-grown strains. And Winnie is Durban Poison times uh, C99. <sighs> Sorry, I had a little brain part there. But uh, man, it is a beautiful blend of all of the above. And I can't wait to get you guys some flour. I've been kind of holding back. I was hoping I was going to make it down yesterday, but the beautiful weather and whatnot, I just ended up staying here and enjoying the northern sun. Sounds a little selfish, but uh, you know, when you're considering an eight hour trip just to see everybody, you got to consider it a little bit. So I. 
Oh, I was going to say, I always had a hard time going to events and shit on my own. Um, but this last summer, I was just like, yeah, fuck it. Like, at this point, I know enough people that I'm going to go, like, see people that I know. And that's how I ended up bumping into you guys. So it's definitely worth getting out there and going to shit, even if it's uncomfortable or weird. Like, I've walked around a lot of events by myself and um, whatever. I think that's just a thing you're either comfortable doing or not. Um, but it it definitely pays off sometimes because if I hadn't gone to summer burnout alone, I wouldn't have seen you guys. So Oh, that was the halftime buzzer. No, I'm Dry- just joking. Dryer's done. That was a poor that was just like the worst timing on the mute button, wasn't it? Eagle, I love that you have good internet right now. And uh Mike Jones in chat wants to know. I'm gonna keep you monologuing for a second because you're awesome. Uh I think it's a, a smoke report for the insane in the membrane. Maybe it says insane. So I'm guessing that's what it is. What's it taste like? That one, if you guys remember, uh, I pulled it early. The first one I harvested, but that's the one I reference as a, like a taco, the sour cream taco. I know it sounds really weird, but it was, uh, that's, that's what it tasted like. It was in a, it was good in a weird, weird way, but that's that's the taste it left on my palate. Excellent, man. Thanks. Tacos. You well, said it right, tastes like sour cream or <laughs> sour cream and tacos. Because both of those kind of sound gross. <laughs> it's such a bad description of a very good taste but it was like a sour cream you know cheesy taco it was weird i had it with me uh that night at i seen you at the last session i seen you and was just smoked the last bit of it before i was lucky enough to run into you an old man which uh i'd like to see old man again i don't know why he's absent but we miss him that's for sure we're working on it. We miss you, old man. I've realized really recently that I don't know how to describe weed in terms that other people understand. So I'd be like, oh, this smells like a basement. And like to me, that's like a perfect descriptor. But to other people, they're like, the fuck? So when I was at Dee's bag's house today, he was like, yeah, it smells piney to me. And I was like, no, it smells like a hamster cage. And he's like, yeah, that's piney. Right? And he kept calling something spicy too. And I was like, oh, it smelled like paint to me. So like, that's one thing that I wish that there was like a more like an easier way to like describe like trooping smells or something so that you could talk about strains more easily. I don't see once you did your cigar stuff. Is there like a relevant crossover there? So, yeah. So for that, what I would do would uh, I would take a cigar and as I was smoking it, I would read a review of what someone else's flavor interpretations were. So I'd go, okay, they said that they tasted leather in the first third of this cigar, like leather and uh, some sort of a wood note, like oak or something. And you can be like, okay, I can see where they would taste oak right here. And maybe that's the leather flavor. And then over time, you start picking that up by yourself. So you can do the same thing with cannabis. When you go and read about what um, Cinderella 99 tastes like and then grow it, Hopefully you have a phenotype that's similar. That's the problem is that they're not all the same. And then uh, try to correlate it that way. 
or if you have a known cut, maybe that's a better guess. Like forum cut Girl Scout cookies is supposed to be the same every, every time. So you can read about what that is and then grow that out and do that. Um, but that's how I learned how to taste cigars for sure. I wanted to do a special shout out before we uh, got off here tonight. There was a collab actually here, the Spartan, because it'd be his cut, cuts, and then I grew it, and then uh, Kate put it into a live rosin. Oh, I don't want to spill it. Let's see if we get it to zoom. But that is a uh, Snow King, GG4. And uh, blue cough, I'll blend it. Come on, camera, work with me. But anyways, yeah, it's not it, gonna happen. Yeah, it's not. You're live on the air. Mm -hmm. But it's very tasty. And I, I just wanted to give you guys a shout out and thank you both for contributing to that. That was very cool. It all came together, and then the fact when she pressed it, it ended up making a, a heart. That's even, you know, that makes it even better. Yeah, I thought that was cool as hell. I was like, How, what are the fucking chances of that, you know? <laughs> How have you liked that as you've been dabbing it about us? I still haven't got my new Rick to like straight up dab it up, but I have tried it with the, uh, the little pin thing that I have. I liked it in there, and then I've also put a little bit into uh, a blunt and tried it in there, and it's very tasty. I can't get an exact uh, turf profile on it because of the blend. Like, I'm getting conflicting taste but it tastes good take a you could just top a bowl with it too and then just just put the flame down enough to melt that but it won't really ignite the bud but it'll the bud will kind of absorb it and you'll be able to ignite you know get a hit of it at least at the same time you try that that's that's the way i like to do it i got a nice clean rig set up and all that i just got to get out and get a torch because i got some uh what's it Peach tree from uh, Dabsmith last night too. Peach pie. I don't want to say peach tree was that strain I liked earlier this year. But uh, yeah, do that tomorrow. So sequence jumping off of your little your uh, cigar thing there. Uh, I know when I test new strains and when I'm lucky enough to judge for some cups, I like to uh, almost go at it blind. Take a you know, good whiff if it's flour myself, take a good whiff of it and not say anything, but kind of know and then pass it to the next person and don't let them say anything either. And then do, you know, pass it around and then everybody at once kind of, what'd you smell? And the same or, thing. Um, oh yeah, okay. Or what did you think it was? Yep, yep. And the same thing with uh, the taste there after you light it up, you know, don't bat it out as soon as you hit it. Let everybody hit it once and then you know shout it out or whatever but that's the way i handled it when i was lucky enough to do some cup judging i did one a day i pulled that it was uh concentrate at the point you know and uh i'd pull it out i'd smell it pass it around to everybody and you know write that down but only do one a day so i had a fresh nose first thing in the morning but yeah, then take notes on it. Now my kids laugh at me. They're like, look at you. You fucking do that almost every time. I'm like, that's what the fuck I do. You know, it's a, and, it's uh, a real thing, man. It's a real thing for sure. And I have complete notebooks and I have and uh, all of that stuff. 
Um, I have a funny story for you really quick. Um, Kate did a bong hit of a strain and blew it in my face and asked if I knew what it was. And I guessed that it was your nine pound hammer the in my first try. So that's pretty funny, uh, a testament to my ability to uh, to uh, smell a strain, the uh, secondhand smoke from three feet away. I figured out what it was. How, uh, how'd you like the nine pound after uh, doing it yourself? I'm really like the flavor of it. And I have a few more cuts of it to, to flower through. Um, hopefully I can get a little bit more yield out of them with better training and better structure and stuff. We'll see. Um, but it's really impressive flower the way it's aged and stuff. I can't give up on it yet. She'll yield for you. You just got to train her in the environment, just like you said. Yeah. I, would, I figure uh, I probably don't have it done right. Yeah. Multiple toppings because she's a quick finisher too. Uh, know that, know that maybe an extra long veg or an extra week or something for, uh, would help you out. They, you know, in her defense, She's got those big golf ball sized nugs that are you know, on it, right? And, uh, but yeah, she's worth keeping around, I think. And she's a good nighttime smoke, that's for sure. That's what I save it for. All right, well, we're at 11.01. Let's roll into our final shout outs. I really enjoy smoking the nine pound hammer a lot. Spartan Grown, you are first. I just uh, enjoyed hanging with you guys, man. This is like hanging with my family. You know, I say that every time, but uh, I like it. I don't know why you're holding up that garbage, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I just want to say growers love to everyone out there, to chat and everyone on the panel. And uh, I'm looking forward to next week. I'll be right here doing it again. Thank you, man. Uh, can of Kate. Um, thanks everybody for joining us tonight. I had a good time. Thank you to everybody who came out yesterday and supported the session cause and um, us. We'll see you next week. And uh, thank you to Abolish and Missy for letting me run your ship. That's super good. And I have my, my little headset jar of it in front of me here. Uh, Red Setter Farm. Yeah, shout out to everybody tuning in, all you guys in chat and everyone. Um, panel, I love hanging out every Sunday night. It was an awesome time tonight. Sorry I had to disappear for a minute. I lost my Wi-Fi for a couple minutes, but I got it back and was able to finish out the show with you guys. So I'm going to have a great night and have another great week. Hope see all you guys next week, too. Um, Red Setter Farm on Instagram and YouTube. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you, Red. Eagle. Uh, Eagle Gardens One, you can find me on Instagram, YouTube a little bit. I want to thank you guys for, you know, obviously letting me hang out with you guys. I look forward to this every week. Uh, looking forward to summer events. You know, uh, it's easier for me to drive and travel eventually, too, when you got them longer summer days. As you drive further and further north, man, it gets darker and darker and harder and harder drive it sucks a little bit but uh summer days are coming so keep that in mind uh other than that i really appreciate everybody here on this panel everybody that tunes in every week uh one other thing i want to throw out there uh on the 29th of february uh we were talking with the dank people yesterday we're gonna have us at least a, a smoke wherever you are for sub 
probably around 420, grab your pipes, your bongs, your hookahs, get high with the weed nerd one last time. Uh, we were hoping to get a, uh, a place to actually physically meet up, but on a week's notice, I just don't think I can pull it off. But uh, if wherever you are could at least post that, you know, you're smoking and getting high with us, whatever, that would be uh, huge. So just throwing that out, you know, appreciate everybody. Appreciate you guys. Have a great night. Thank you. Thanks, Eagle. Abolished and Miss C, I didn't forget you this week. I can see your face. <laughs> got to shout out the Groskis, of course. Frugal Force. Panel, I love you guys. Uh, sponsors, Memphis Genetics, Bad Bunny, Easy Swap Pots. And yeah, don't miss uh, the new show that's coming out tomorrow night at 11 p.m. The late session. Still both. Yeah, just shout out to all you guys. It was great being able to be on tonight. We've had a, a lot going on the last couple of weeks. I know I've had some work stuff going on and uh, we moved. <laughs> so there's just been quite a bit, but it feels uh, it feels really good to be able to hang out tonight and get back to seeing what all, everyone's been up to. And uh, just to have a good night, guys. And uh, shout out to all the Groskies. Thanks for coming out and hanging out with us. Thank you, guys. Scobo, you got any final words? Do you want to promote your show real quick? You're muted. Ah, oh, shit. There we go. If anybody is free tomorrow night at 11 p.m., check us out on YouTube. We are going to be streaming the late sesh. And I want to say thank you for another great show, everybody. Chad, uh, always a good time and looking forward to it next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. All right, guys, I just want to say thank you for spending time with us tonight. I looked over and I saw that we had over 120 people here. We had 1,700 playbacks looking right now. That's really, really crazy to see. I never would have thought that when we started this thing. Thank you for spending your time here. Have a good night.